Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, this edition of Garrett on the go uh, involves where I was on NCAA tournament championship night. Now, we can all talk about the big run by Kansas to come back from a 16-point deficit against UNC. But I want to talk about how New Jersey basketball came together last night at the Prudential Center. And uh, someone who had me tag along with them, and thank you for that, is the Seton Hall uh, color guy and sometimes play-by-play guy for Learfield Properties, Dave Popkin. Dave, thanks for uh, joining me on this podcast. Alex, always a pleasure. It was a fun night last night. And thanks for having me out. That was that was great. And I got to meet some of your friends uh, through the basketball world. Uh, first of all, as a New Yorker, you don't realize how connected New Jersey basketball is. I, I'll say that much. Yeah, as Stephen Wright once said, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. I saw a lot of people that uh, – I I knew from from years ago uh last night it was it was fun Phyllis Mangina the former Seton Hall women's coach for 20 years and uh some former broadcast partners and there were a lot of different people honored last night which is always the key to a good gala if you honor a lot of people then a lot of people show up at your event. Well let's talk about the event itself. So this was uh actually former Seton Hall coach Fred Hill's uh, foundation, the Team Hill Foundation, and you're more knowledgeable of it than I am. So what was the idea behind the basketball reunion, and and the way they pulled it off was remarkable. Yeah, it was cool. It was sold out. It was about a 1,000 people on the floor of Prudential Center um, having dinner and and watching Bruce Beck host uh, basically an award ceremony for um, New Jersey basketball uh, Hall of Fame, which is a new thing uh, that will be housed at Prudential Center which is cool. And there were other honorees too that, that don't figure in the hall of fame, but um, you know, all kinds of teams, you know, Princeton's great final four team with Bill Bradley and Rutgers final four team in the mid seventies and Seton Hall's, you know, 89 final four team and all kinds of individuals uh, were honored and it raised money for the team Hill foundation, which has been going for several years. Um, Freddie, was the coach at Rutgers. He was an assistant at Seton Hall twice. He coached for basically every team in New Jersey. And uh, he was able to marshal all of his, you know, friends and contacts uh, into one place to to raise money for his foundation. And they do um, different athletic programs for, you know, inner city basketball players and stuff like that. The way that they had, uh, and by the way, that that is beautiful. And I'd say the Garden State is like watering new talent through the Team Hill Foundation, right? I mean, that's kind of what it seems like. It is. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's talk about um, the fact that those older teams of Princeton and of Rutgers, and it, I made the point to you that maybe it's because the, the field was a little less that those runs were possible. Uh, is, that a, is that a big thing in today's world, why St. Peter's matters? Because the field is so big that those runs are very special. I, I guess back in the day it was, but even now it, it feels a little more special. I don't know. It seemed like back then the field was smaller. Yeah, I mean, the, the NCAA tournament has, has grown so much over the years um, in terms of the size of the field, but uh, get, just getting in back in the day, you know, for Princeton to get in in the 60s was a big deal, let alone to go to the Final Four. Uh, certainly, once you're in, easier to make the Final Four because you only have to win a couple games, you know, back then. Um, so it's, but they were, 
college basketball was different. You know, there weren't as many mega conferences and you could have a team like Princeton uh, make it, you know, and you would see that, you know, over the years, uh, you'd get some smaller schools, Penn made it, you know, late seventies. Um, but it's now with all the money and all the TV, it's, you know, you still see some blue bloods, right? The, the final four was all blue bloods this year. You had some teams make miraculous runs, you know, Miami who had, you know, makes the elite eight and, um, I mean, the Sweet 16 and St. Peter's makes the Elite Eight, and you see some schools that haven't been there often sneak in there. But, you know, by and large, you know, the Final Four, you're going to get the best coaches. You're going to get the best players. And um, But the tournament is great because you have so many of these little Cinderella stories, you know, like a, like a St. Peter's or UMBC, Murray State, you can go up and down the line. All these schools that put their universities on the map, you know, because of a, a Cinderella run. Now, Dave, I know you love baseball a lot, so I got to ask: How does this baseball fan and announcer get into college basketball and become, I feel like, an historian? I mean, you listen to you on the broadcast, so you know Seton Hall's history up and down. You know, like the back of your hand. How did you do that? And and, and and how was the transition from baseball to basketball for you? I've always done both. Uh, the first games I ever did were basketball uh, in high school. Uh, my high school basketball coach, Russ Walling, told me, hey, kid, you're not that good. You want to be the video coordinator? And I started to, you know, call the games into the video uh, recorder back then, the VCR camera. And they were like, hey, you should do this. You're good at that. So, um, that was the start, and then I went to Miami, and the first thing I did was announce basketball, men's and women's basketball. So, um, you know, and I had had I had played all my life until I was about 17. So um, it was a natural, you know, to, to continue to do basketball. And some years uh, are different. Like I, I did long seasons of baseball, Double uh, A, Triple A, et cetera, independent ball um, for many years. You know, in those years, I would do more baseball. But lately, I would say the last 10 or 15 years, I would do more basketball games, and I've become more known for that for whatever reason. But, you know, I, I love them both. Um, but baseball, I think, was my first love. I, I was going to say, and I know you're a big Yankee fan, but but how about Dean Hall? Because uh, you, you say you live in Nutley, New Jersey, so you're – you're in the Garden State, and obviously Seton Hall is a big part of it. But how did you come to that? Come to know that program so well? Sure. Uh, well, I would watch Seton Hall games as a young person and a basketball fan. Go to the games with the Meadowlands, the PJ Carlissimo teams. Uh, my girlfriend and now my wife uh, went to Seton Hall. Um, you know, during the Final Four run and the you know the first couple of years when they won Big East tournament, early '90s, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I was following along. With that, and then Miami, where I went, was in the Big East, and we would play Seton Hall twice a year. So I was familiar with those players, Jerry Walker and Terry DeHare. And then, you know, there was a little gap there where I didn't pay too much attention. And then I started doing marketing uh, through my agency for the school, so I was at all the games then. Uh, I would call it early 2000s. And then I got the gig as a, as a color commentator, and um, I've only missed – two games uh and i've i watched those games you know from afar so i i haven't missed a seton hall basketball game in the last 19 years um so i feel like 
just doing that and hosting the halftime show really uh, has helped me uh, meet a lot of people. And uh, like when we were at the event last night at Prudential Center, I was able to go up to all the Final Four guys from the 89 team, and they all knew me because I interviewed them multiple times on the halftime show over the years, and and it's a good connection. So, um, yeah, I mean, I cherish my relationship with Seton Hall, and I've gotten to know pretty much everybody uh, over the years from Bill Raftery and P.J. Carlissimo and um, all all the coaches, you know, all the coaches over the years, uh, even George Blaney and Tommy Amaker and all that. And Fred Hill was a coach also at Seton Hall. Now, um, I, I got to ask, though, as a fan watching in 89, were you like, no way I'm going to interview these guys when I get older? Or like, did you, you know, did you did you think that was a possibility, watching them at the arena and now, now interviewing them years later? No idea. No idea. No, I, I, I wasn't sure that um, – I, I thought I wanted to go into broadcasting, but I didn't really know, you know, what that meant and where it would lead. Uh, I was pretty sure it would involve travel, which I enjoyed. Uh, so I've gotten to do a lot of that, and I've lived uh, abroad, as they say, outside of the metropolitan area. I lived in El Paso, Sioux City, and Des Moines, and some of these smaller markets that broadcasters traditionally have to work their way up through, you know, to get into a major market. So, um, but I didn't know, you know, that I would that I would end up at home, quote unquote, and that I would get to be in New York for over 20 years and and be on, you know, AM 970 and WABC and SNY and yes and MSG and all the local stations. Uh, so it's been um, it's been great. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't expect it. All right, let's if I can peel back the curtain for a minute because you guys were in studio for the pandemic and I never really got a chance to ask you what that was like. I mean, we were connected all that time, but I never got to know you know what, how your feeling was doing the game, watching a TV screen, and. Can I just say this? A phone screen once when Fox Sports was going over on NASCAR, you had to pull it up on the on the phone. And I'm like, this is very impressive for Dave right now to call it on the phone while watching. <laughs> it's a it's a magic trick, and we try not to to let on, you know, to the audience. I mean, I think the audience could tell for the road games last year, except for two games uh, that we were in studio. The people at WSOU were nice enough to allow us to set up shop there in one of their uh, production studios. And we just called it off a big TV. Um, and we had the stat monitors there. So it was kind of like, you know, doing a regular game. And I don't think the average listener would know um, necessarily. And, no, and you're seeing more and more, you know, you're seeing it more and more. Uh, it was hard, you know, because you don't get to see the full court. You don't get to talk to the officials when something funky goes on. Uh, it's a trend that I hope does not continue. It was actually a nice break honestly, for um, for us not to have to travel for a year. Um, and, to you know, for me, it's 15 minutes to Seton Hall. I go, I call the game, I go home instead of, you know, sometimes two, three days to call one game in Indianapolis or whatever. So uh, there were good good parts of it, mostly bad. <laughs> you know, we, we like being at the arenas and, and I, do, I do games and not studio stuff because I enjoy the spontaneity of games. Uh, so... I want to you be there. Gary, I want to both, enjoy it. You and Gary both uh, love that spontaneity, and, and and that team has been now gelling for, what, 14, 15 years? Next year will be our 20th. That's wild, 20 years. That's that that's wild, man. That's It makes you feel good, though. It has to. It has to. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. I mean, it's been a good marriage. Uh, we get along well. 
and he's the best in the business. He's, you know, excellent, obviously, at baseball. I think he's going to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame one day. Uh, basketball, you know, you can put him right in the class with Mike Breen and Ian Eagle and, and the best basketball play-by-play people out there. So, um, you know, that's been good. I've I've learned a lot, and it's been uh, – you know, overall a good experience, you know, doing all the college games and getting to, to go to so many parts of the globe. I mean, we've been to several countries and I've been to all but four states and a lot of that is due to, to Seton Hall and being on that package. So it's it's a great thing. All right. I, I can't let you go without asking you a couple of things. First of all, people who follow your work, where can they find you this summer? I know you're and spring, I know you're pretty busy coming up here in April and uh and May and June. Yeah, thanks for the plugs. Uh, May 13th, I have an FS1 baseball game, Xavier at UConn, so Big East Baseball. Um, I've done a few things for FS1, you know, over the last couple of years, which I'm happy about. Uh, Let's see, Buffalo Bisons Baseball, I'll do about 20 to 25 games for them. Again, this year as a a fill-in play-by-play guy, I often do road games for them. They're on... uh, the big station up there, 1520 uh, a.m. And Northeast Conference Tournament, you know, baseball and, and other things that come up. I do stuff for NJIT, and I try to stay busy. Uh, you know, whatever sports, you know, come up that people ask me, I usually say yes because I like to keep my brain sharp, you know, and, and, and keep the uh, keep the instrument sharp, as they say, and and continue to be able to, to think and speak and, and do all the good things that, uh, you know, are entertaining for the audience. So, uh, you have to, you have to do it. You have to get the reps and, you know, whether it's a, a high profile or a lower profile gig, I usually say yes, because I, I enjoy it and, uh, and you have to do it, you know, to be good. All right. Uh, speaking of being good, I can't let you go without asking you this. Uh, last night we leave the arena. I think UNC was up at the moment we left, I mean, obviously it was under 12, but it, it, it's still a lot of time. They end up 16 up at the half, and everybody's like, well, this is kind of shocking. And then, well, Kansas pulls off the comeback. So from your analytical eyes, how did Bill Self and Kansas turn that around? It didn't seem like he gave many big rah-rah speech at halftime, at least not one that he disclosed in his post-game interview. Uh, I think that uh, he just let him run and, and, and turned up the pace a little bit. And they started to make more shots, and they turned North Carolina over, you know, which was a big deal. Uh, I believe they had 14 points off of turnovers in the second half, uh, which basically makes up the margin. Um, It was, I think, the better team won. You know, I think the more experienced coach won. That's very often the case in these games. You know, Hubert Davis wasn't able to stop the bleeding in the second half. Um, Some of his timeout use was a little questionable to me in the second half. Uh, I'm not, you know, blaming the loss on him, but I think that, you know, more experienced coach might have done some things differently. Um, but both great teams, obviously, and it ended up being a three-point game, very exciting. And uh, I, I felt like, you know, sometimes the best team doesn't win. I felt like the best team won. Well, and I felt like Kansas was was projected to win that one just because of UNC's and by the way, the ACC minus Duke doesn't really get much respect. I mean, no one thought UNC would be there. So maybe that, maybe their run opens the eyes to honor, to recognize the ACC. And of course, 
the Big East is always in play in these tournaments uh, year in and year out. But the other news, and I can't believe it because we just met him last night, Doug Eddard is now in the transfer portal. I mean, the speculation is going to run rampant now, isn't he? That the coach just went, that his coach just went to Seton Hall. I mean, I, I don't know as a broadcaster you can speculate, but it, it does ramp up the speculation now that Shaheen Holloway is up to the Pirates, does it not? Yeah, it does. Uh, I was at the Shaheen Holloway press conference the other day, and the St. Peter's players came and supported him, which was tremendous. Uh, I'd never seen something like that before. Um, to go to a rival school like that that just poached your coach, essentially, and then to go and be supportive of him. It was really cool. But anyway, they were chatting with the Seton Hall players, and it was like an eighth-grade team and a sixth-grade team, you know, with with no offense meant whatsoever to St. Peter's, but their guys are just – they're not – they pulled off a a miracle a couple times in the tournament, but athletically, height-wise, weight-wise, build, all that stuff, they're just they're different. They're 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 MAC athletes versus Big East athletes. So, you know, that being said, I'm not sure uh, if Shaheen, you know, is going to have a spot for one of the three guys, uh, Lee Banks or Eddard, that entered the portal today. Um, they are good players, obviously. They showed a lot of heart. Uh, I think that you know somebody is going to pick up all of them. I'm not sure if it'll be a Big East team, uh, you know, and that they can compete night in and night out, you know, athletically with with those players. But maybe they do. You know, maybe he takes one or two of them and they're able to fit in and they fill a role. You know, he need, he likes shooting. He likes hard-nosed guys, and then they all fit that bill. So I'm interested to see, you know, what happens with, with players. He's out there recruiting Shaheen Holloway, and, um, you know, he, he needs to fill out his staff still. There's a lot, you know, hot stove basketball to be uh, paid attention to. Oh, hot stove basketball, the recruiting process, always fun. Hey, Dave, come back uh, if you'd like during the summer and give us an update on what's going on. And uh, thanks again and enjoy the next few months uh, on the air. Anytime. And, Alex, we always appreciate all your help, you know, producing and engineering uh, all of our Seton Hall games. And, uh, you know, it, it really helps to have somebody that, uh, likes the team and pays attention and, and knows about basketball and, and understands the flow of the game and the highlights and all that stuff. So uh, keep up the good work, and it's uh, it's good to have you as part of our team. Well, thanks, family, and thanks for being a friend also, Dave. And, yeah, when you introduced me to Miles, Kale, and Shavar, I'm like, I cut your highlights for four years, guys. I mean, come on, this, <laughs> is, this is so cool. So, all right, Dave, thanks again, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, good stuff. Thanks, Al.